0: Praise the Lord. Let's, let's, just, let's just close that out with a prayer. I think that'd be really good. Um, let's pray together. Father, it is well with our souls this morning because Jesus Christ has died. He has been buried. He is risen from the dead. He has ascended into heaven. He is our hope in this life. And Lord, no matter what you're taking us through right now, it is well with our soul. We declare that truth, not because we feel it, but because we know it to be true. Lord, we feel a lot of things. We feel the weight of sin. We feel the weight of this world. We feel the trials and tribulations that you have actually brought into our lives through the gospel. And we choose to say it is well with our soul. So Spirit of God, I pray that you would minister to every need that is represented in our congregation right now. Lord, some through tears are saying, it is well with my soul. Some are saying with great joy and rejoicing, it is well with my soul. Jesus, oh, haste the day when our faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll and we hear that trumpet. Jesus, bring that trumpet. We long for it. Jesus, to see your face. Is that's what we're living for. So Lord, it's well with our soul. God, give grace for us to not only believe that truth, but to love that truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, once again, it's good to have you here with us this morning. Uh, My name is Josh. If you're here with us for the first time, I'm the preaching pastor here. So thankful that you're here. If you have a copy of God's word, go ahead and open it up to Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one. And we're going to be reading verses one through 11 this morning as is our tradition here, to read God's Word and then study it together. As we're turning there, we are walking through our series, The Birth of the Church. And this has been a real good series. It's going to be short. We're going to zip it up here in a few weeks. But I want to just encourage you, if you are listening to these sermons and you're learning more about the Church of Jesus Christ we have a free book for you, okay? There's, there's, a, there's a book out in the foyer called I Am a Church Member by Thomas Rainier. Some of you have read this book. It's about 80, 90 pages. It's a huge and wonderful biblical resource. If you're a member of our church, uh, you're welcome to take that first come, first serve. If you're thinking about becoming a member of our church, you can take it. If you're just a visitor and you're curious about what church membership means, you can have that book, okay? We're going to be making those available, um, and that's available for you out in the Welcome Center, and we encourage you to pick up that book. It's a pleasure of ours to provide that for you, and we want you to read it and be blessed by it as you begin to understand the church of Jesus Christ more and more. So Acts chapter 1, we are going to start in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 11 and uh, praise him for the reading and the hearing of the word. Let's start in verse 1. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And when they came together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of his word. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray and dig in. Father, thank you for your grace. It is amazing grace, that you would give us the power, the ability, the opportunity to read your word and to hear the word of God. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would activate this word. We're completely dependent on you, Spirit, to activate the word of God in the hearts of every Christian here, to make real changes, to confess sin, to rejoice in truth, To live a different life. Lord, that is your ability alone. And Lord, we also pray for those who are lost in sin, apart from God, dead to spiritual things, dead to even the reading of the Word of God. Lord, would you ignite into flame their hearts? Holy Spirit, you're the only one who can do that. We ask that you would regenerate people. We ask that you would do it for your glory. God, meet with us now in Christ's name. Amen. So my sermon title this morning is Born to be Powerful Witnesses. Born to be Powerful Witnesses. Here's a question for you. When's the last time you have been a bold and powerful witness for Jesus Christ? When was the last time in your life you could look at your life and say, I was pretty bold. And I was pretty powerful in my testimony for Jesus Christ. Okay, for some of you, it was just the other day and you're excited about it. For others of you, it's been a minute or two or ten. And it's been a long time and you're feeling a little guilty that I would bring up evangelism as a question on a Sunday morning at church. How dare you ask me that, Pastor, in public? Well, I'm taking a risk and asking you because... It is God's will for you and I, if we know Christ as our Savior, to be bold and powerful witnesses for Jesus Christ. It is God's will that you be that. And some of you are doing okay. Some of you are in need of some confession of sin because it's been a bit. Just yesterday morning, I had the opportunity to give testimony to Jesus. It was awesome. If you know me, I'm like a kid in a candy store when I get to talk to someone about Jesus, right? So yesterday morning, I had the opportunity to sit with someone, and we started talking about the gospel, we started talking about Christ, and it was awesome. I loved every minute. I loved every conversation. I loved every sentence because the questions that I was being asked the Holy Spirit was giving me scripture that comes to my mind. Have you ever had that happen to you before? Where the scripture comes into your mind right at the right moment, at the right time, and you're like, I haven't thought about that scripture in X amount of days or weeks, but all of a sudden it's right there. Thank you, God, right? The Holy Spirit delivers the word. And and my mind was just going to scripture time and time again, and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is so good. And as the things kept coming to my mind, the more joy and boldness and, and um, I don't know, satisfaction that I felt. So my question to you is, when's the last time that's happened for you? We as Christians should be in a regular habit of boldly and powerfully testifying to Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is God's will. Jesus is going to say it explicitly in verse 8. You will be my witnesses. Wow. You. Now, we as Christians, we're not always on the mountaintop of sharing Jesus, are we? There's a lot of days that we could look at and say, I wasn't very bold, and I wasn't very powerful, and I was actually very fleshly and I ran away from this opportunity, or I didn't take advantage of this opportunity the way I should, and then guilt kicks in. And then when you feel guilty, you feel like maybe I'm not cut out for this. And then all of a sudden, you're in a really bad spot because you're, you're thinking, maybe I shouldn't witness anymore. But I want to tell you, according to this text of Scripture we're going to look at this morning, it is God's will, and it is Jesus's desire that you be a bold and powerful witness for the gospel. So let's just look into the book of Acts, um, verse 1. In this first book, O oh, Theophilus, I have dealt with all that God, Jesus, began to do and teach. Okay, who is Theophilus anyways? Some of you are wondering, well, Theophilus was a rich patron who wanted an account of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, so he hired Luke to write the Gospel of Luke, and Acts is the second letter that Luke wrote. So I would argue that Luke wrote two Gospels. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and I would consider Acts very much a Gospel continuation of what happened after Jesus resurrected from the dead. If you have never read the book of Acts, and I won't ask for a raise of hands because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you have never read the book of Acts, you must. Do it amen you must it is so good it is 28 chapters of watching the gospel explode out of Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth and you' you finish Acts chapter 28 and you see Paul sharing the gospel in Rome unhindered and then the book just ends it just stops I remember the first time I read that as a Christian I just transferred to a Bible college I had never read Acts in my life. I read this book. I'm like, this is the greatest book I've ever read in my life. And then I got to Acts 28, and here's Paul sharing the gospel in Rome. And I'm like, the momentum, my heart was being stirred. And all of a sudden, I turned the page over, and it's Romans 1. And I'm like, what in the world? What happened after this? And I went and asked my missions professor, what happened after Acts 28? And he's like, nobody really knows And I'm like, that's a big mistake. I think everybody should know what happened next. But 2,000 years of church history helps us fill in the gaps. I didn't know that at the time, but it is an amazing read. You should read the book of Acts. Now, he says this is the first book of all that Jesus began to do and teach. That word is protos. It means first in a set or first in a series, which means the gospel of Luke is the reference point here is the first letter. The, the Acts uh, letter is the second letter that Luke is writing. Dr. Luke is a smart man. He's an interviewer. He interviews people who are eyewitnesses of Jesus. He is not a disciple of Christ. He did not actually seek Christ or follow Christ as one of the 12, but he is a, a, a wonderful, smart man who is very good at writing things down and researching. So aren't you glad for smart Christians? Amen. Yes, we are thankful for Luke. And the book of Acts is just a, a theme of the spread of the gospel. And this gospel is not just some sect of Judaism, which was the early um, accusation of the Jews, is that, oh, this is just another sect of Judaism, just a new thing. No, the, go- the gospel of Acts says, no, this is a way bigger thing. The gospel itself is the culmination of God's redemption on earth. This is not just another thing. this is the thing. And in fact, the Apostle Paul would say it this way in Acts 18:30, as he is testifying um, in Acts 18 to a bunch of secular people at Mars Hill, he said, "The times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent." So this gospel is not just some new thing that's within Judaism. Paul is going to argue at Mars Hill that this gospel is a command of all peoples everywhere to repent to the risen Jesus. So as we come into this text in Acts 1, Jesus in verse 8 is going to guarantee something. He is going to guarantee that his church would be bold and powerful witnesses all over the world. He's going to guarantee that. Now, this is before the Holy Spirit is on the scene at Pentecost. So no doubt the, the, the disciples are listening to him say, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And they're thinking, okay, that's great, but I'm not quite sure I understand all of what you're saying, Jesus. I'm not sure we can do that job. Remember last week, it's a big job. Make disciples of all nations. That's a very large task to take care of. I'm not sure we can do it, but Jesus is hyper-confident That his church will be bold and powerful witnesses all over the world. Now, here's the question to ask that the text makes us ask. How could Jesus make this audacious promise? How can he say so confidently that these 12 who just deserted him at the cross are going to be the powerful and bold witnesses for him all over the world? How can he even say that? Well, there's three reasons I think in the text here that Jesus is so confident. Reason number one is he showed them his resurrection body for 40 days. He showed him his resurrection body for 40 days. Verse 2, 3, and 4. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit, the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. Now let's look at two things here. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles. This is a reference to Jesus giving words of instruction to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. He gave these guys instructions about what is going to happen next. Now, the most famous instruction story in Luke is Luke 24, 13 through 35. That is the story of the stranger on the road to Emmaus. Some of you guys know the story, some of you don't. So, there are two disciples walking on a path after Jesus has died. And Jesus himself comes up to these two disciples and they don't recognize that it's Jesus. Okay, so they are sad that Christ has died on the cross and they think it's over. The resurrected Jesus shows up and they don't know who he is. So they're just like, hey, he's like, what's going on? Like, are you serious? Are, have you not been around? Have you not read your social media? Have you not read your, the newspapers? Like this Jesus, a man attested by God to do miracles. He's dead. We were his followers. It's all over, man. And they're so, they're so desperate. They don't even understand. And then this stranger begins to explain to them the Old Testament. Guys, did you know that these things had to happen that he, the, the Messiah had to be crucified. He had to suffer. And all of a sudden, these guys are putting together the pieces of the Old Testament. And Jesus is just bringing it all together for them. They don't even know it's Christ. They, they go and they eat a meal together. And all of a sudden, as they're eating, Jesus, re, he's revealed to the eyes of these men. And, and they're like, oh, it's Jesus. And once they realize it's Jesus, what does Jesus do? Disappears. Gone. Right? Just gone. And they're they're like, okay, that was crazy. It's Jesus. And then he's gone. And then they said this powerful testimony after this. They said, Did not our hearts burn inside of us? As he explained to us the meaning of the Old Testament and all this, didn't our hearts burn inside? And that was the probably the most famous account in Luke's gospel of Jesus giving a word of instruction. About himself and the resurrection from the dead. There was a lot more of that that went on. Certainly, Jesus spent a lot of time with the disciples. He shared a lot with them about um, his resurrection, what's going on. You guys remember his interaction with Thomas touch my hands, touch my side, come see that it's me. Certainly, he gave the Great Commission. There's a lot of things Jesus did, he presented himself alive. So he presented his body as a resurrected body to the disciples. This was an amazing thing. He did it for 40 days, 40 days. From Passover to Pentecost, Jesus was busy revealing himself to his disciples. How amazing would that be? This starts to build the disciples' confidence and their boldness to say, it wasn't just a one-time thing at the empty tomb. This has been a 40-day diet of the resurrected Christ talking to us and explaining things to us. Now, did the disciples understand everything Jesus was saying? Everybody say this, class. No, they did not understand. They they got some of the bigger concepts, but you're going to see later. They didn't understand all of it. But they were confident and growing in their confidence and boldness that, you know what? Jesus really is resurrected from the dead. We have seen him now 40 days He's given us a lot of evidence. 1 Corinthians 15 also says that Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time. That's a powerful historical account that Jesus is building up. That's why he can guarantee you're going to be my witnesses, because he showed his physical body for 40 straight days. Praise God for that. Reason number two, the second reason Jesus is confident that his church is going to be powerful and bold witnesses is because he ascended into heaven right in front of them. Okay? Verses 9 through 11. When he said these things, they were looking on, he lifted up, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight and they were gazing into heaven and the angels show up and they say, "Why are you looking into heaven? Jesus is going to come back in the same way you just saw him." leave. Jesus ascended into heaven right in front of their eyes. So Jesus's body was literally, the word there is raised up, literally started levitating and didn't stop. Okay. Now that is amazingly cool, like powerful and scary, but Jesus is there and he's raising up in front of them and he's starting to ascend higher and higher and higher. And then he gets into a cloud We're not told if it's supernatural or natural, but he gets into a cloud and then all of a sudden they don't see him anymore. Now, the word gazing there is blepo. It means that you're just staring. You're just staring up into the sky. And I would say at this moment, can you blame the disciples? No way. No way. I would be staring too. Like we are humans. We like to stare at things as they go into the sky. Do we not? A kite? You ever flown one of those? Yeah. Yeah you stare at it. That's what you do, right? What about a rocket ship? You stare at those. That's what you do. You just watch Jeff Bezos go into the sky and come back. You watch that, as I did. Fascinated. We watch rockets go up in the air all the time. It's like, we just love watching things go in the sky. How about the son of God going into the sky in front of you And no doubt there are dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of eyewitnesses watching this happen. And I say, I feel you disciples. I'd be gazing too. And the angels have to show up and say, guys, why are you staring? Oh, I don't know. I just watched God go in the sky. Never seen that before. Wasn't anticipating that. But the angels say, look, The exact same way you saw Jesus go up is the exact same way he's going to come back. How cool is that? It's the hope of every Christian, isn't it? Like you and I who know Jesus, we have one hope. And that's Jesus is going to split the sky. And he's going to come with that trumpet sound, that announcement and we are going to see our Jesus face-to-face. In what way? The same way he went up is the same way he's coming back. And the way society is going right now, we say, even so, Lord Jesus, anytime now. Anytime. First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, let this encourage you. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Can you imagine this moment? If you're a Christian, this is guaranteed future. Guaranteed. You will meet him in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Praise God. The confidence of Christians is that we believe in the ascension of Jesus. And then we also believe in the visible, real return of Jesus. Those are both confident things. And Jesus, you can see he's building confidence and boldness in his disciples to say, look, not only am I going to hang out with you for 40 days as a resurrected son of God, but I will also ascend right in front of your eyes. So that when you talk to people about me, you're not making up stories of fairy tales. You are telling them exactly what you saw. Reason number three, the third reason Jesus is so confident in verse eight that his church will be bold and powerful disciples is because he promised the Holy Spirit's arrival would give them boldness and power. When the Holy Spirit arrives, he will give power and boldness to these disciples and to Christians as a universal whole. Verse four. He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. He said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He ordered them not to leave Jerusalem. Stay here, guys. Stay here. He knew the human impulse is to move, right? You know that the guys were just like, okay, now what? I guess we got to go. We got to go. It's the human impulse to move. And he's like, don't move. Stay in Jerusalem. Stay here. Stay tight. Don't break up the band. Stick here, you know? And so he knows that it's the fleshly impulse to just like go and split. He said, You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, what's that all about? Well, John the Baptist baptized with water. And he said, But Jesus, right? John the Baptist even said this Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There is a sense in which Jesus will baptize in a much different way than John with the Spirit of God. If you don't know what the Spirit of God is, it's not an it. It is a person. It is a he. The Holy Spirit is God itself. Amen? All right. So there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. And the Holy Spirit is going to baptize these men. They have no idea what that means. They have no idea what that means. They get a concept, okay, the Spirit of God's going to baptize us. All right, not quite sure what that is, but we know it's full immersion. We know that. We know that it is a full union with the Spirit of God. That's what that means. And it goes right along with what Jesus said in John 16. John, he already talked to these guys about this. John 16 says, Nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And later on, it says, the spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus has already talked to the disciples about the Holy Spirit. They're not fully grasping it yet, but he's reminding them once again, there's a baptism coming. And there is a baptism coming by the Holy Spirit. And when you get that baptism, you will be confident, powerful, and bold witnesses for me. Consider the audience of Jesus. Deserters, people that left him to die on a cross. They were nowhere to be found. And Jesus is telling them, this is going to be amazing. You are going to stand and testify for me with boldness and power. That's the exact opposite of what Peter did. That's the exact opposite of what all the disciples did. And they're hearing this and they're probably a little skeptical of what Jesus is saying, but he's saying it with power because the Spirit of God is going to come. And for some of you this morning... Jesus is going to say that to you this morning. It's like, you are going to give witness to me with power and boldness. And some of you are like, yeah, about that. Um, I'm not sure I'm, I'm the right guy. I'm not sure I'm the right gal for that. And Jesus just smiles from heaven and says, I've got plans for you that you don't even know about yet. But when you get saved, Jesus saves you from your sins. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you. He dwells inside of you. And he does that to give you the ability that you don't have on your own. Amen? So when they had come together, they asked him in verse 6, well, is it at this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So they've been hearing a lot about the kingdom of God. They've been hearing a lot about this future that they have. And of course they ask him, is this the time? And the word there is chronos, which means measured time. It means like um, tick-tock, tick-tock on your, on your watch. Is this the time, Lord? Is this it? How American is that verse, isn't it? Is this the time, Lord, right now? Like, it's right now, right? Because everything has to happen now. We, we can't wait. We can't be patient. Is this now? Are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, David, are we going to see a, like a real restoration of Israel here? Is that what's going to happen? And is that what the baptism of the Spirit is all about? Very, very American mindset. But Jesus says in verse 7, it's not for you to know the times or seasons. Literally, it means you are not permitted to know, which drives us crazy. I'm sure the disciples are like, hey, is this it? This is it, right? God, this is it. You don't even get to know. But I want to know. That's our impulse all the time. I want to know now. I want to know now, God. I want my answer to prayer now. I want to know all the mysteries of God now. I wish Deuteronomy 29, 29 was not in the Bible. The secret things belong to the Lord. I don't want God to know everything. I want to know everything. Jesus says, "You you don't get to know that. When's the second coming of Christ? Well, if you listened to my sermon series last fall, you would know. We don't know. I was really praying last fall that it would be on the last sermon of the series, right? I was like, oh, Lord, Jesus, you and me, we got this connection, right? You're coming back at the very last sermon of the last sermon series in the last times that's going to be awesome and Jesus laughed at me from heaven and said you don't get to know you know me thousands of preachers have preached end times series in 2000 years you don't get to know that bro you don't get to know okay what do we get to know you will receive power You'll receive power, dunamis, strength, power, ability, dynamite in your soul. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Here's what you do get to know. You get to have this strength and this ability to give bold and powerful witness to me. And that is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, literally on top of you inside of you, and the Holy Spirit's power is going to make you strong and able to be bold and powerful witnesses for me in hard times. What do we get to know? We get to know that when the Spirit of God saves us as Christians, and we get saved by Christ's grace, we get power. That's what we get to know. Jesus doesn't tell us the next 2,000 steps. He tells us the next step, right? Who are you going to talk to about Jesus this week? I don't know. God knows. Are you ready? That's the real question. Are you ready to, by the Spirit of God, testify to the glory of God and to have this power from the Spirit of God to give you boldness and power? And you'll you'll be given power to what? To be my witnesses. Interesting word in Greek, martis where we get our word martyr, you get to be the one who attests to the fact from personal knowledge and observance. You get to testify to what you've seen. The word martyr became known throughout Christian history as basically a death sentence. Someone who testified about Jesus to their death. So, The disciples would be given power to testify and that testifying of Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection would get them in trouble at times and they would just go and boldly and powerfully proclaim Christ and in the midst of that, they might die for it. They might become a martyr. Aw. Doesn't that make you sad, Christian? You have to die for your faith? Makes us scared sometimes, doesn't it? You know what? I'm here to be a preacher to tell you that you're all going to die. Amen? We're all going to die. It doesn't matter the what. It's just the when. So why don't we just determine the how? Like, why don't we just boldly and powerfully testify to Jesus and see what happens? Amen? Like, our culture is screaming for Christians to be bold and powerful in their witness. We are looking for Christians who will stand for the truth of Christ and proclaim it. And that's the challenge for our generation. Will we be witnesses? Will we be unashamed witnesses for the power and glory of Jesus Christ? Notice I didn't say weird witnesses or foolish witnesses. Sometimes witnessing looks like this. You get all fired up for Jesus and then you go out and you act like a fool. You pick a fight that's not your own. You take on problems that are not your own. You start elbowing unbelievers everywhere saying, well, I got to witness. I mean, I got to be bold. I got to be powerful. I'm like, no, you're just, you're just being sinful, actually. Because sometimes, I always tell my girls, don't grab a dog by the ears. What? Dad, what are you talking about? There's a proverb that says, don't grab a passing dog by the ears. Why? Why would you go grab a dog by the ears? Because it'll bite your face off. That's why you don't do that. And so many Christians, they just run out and they start talking to whoever and they start getting themselves involved in problems that are not their own. And it's like grabbing a passing dog by the ears. It's not wise. You're going to get your face bit off. Now, in the midst of that, the power of Christ here is to say, you're going to give powerful witness or testimony to me. Christian, if you're looking for it and if you're praying for opportunities to share Christ, God will give you the right opportunity, the right moment in the exact setting that he wants you to be in. And in that moment, you be bold and you be powerful to share Christ. He will give you those opportunities. And that's the kind of opportunities I'm talking about. When someone asks you or when you have been working with someone or you're getting the the platform to share Christ, do it with boldness and power. Do not apologize for Jesus. Step up. The Holy Spirit in that moment will give you the words to say and the power in which to say it. 1 Peter 3.15, sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, always being ready to give an account for the reason, for the hope that it's in you. Be ready. And it is the Holy Spirit filling your life that will empower you to be all about Jesus and not about yourself. So many times our testimonies become all about us. Because the Holy Spirit's not filling us as we share that testimony. But when the Spirit of God is on us and we are filled with the Spirit and we're confessing sin, we're walking by the power of the Spirit of God, we will testify powerfully and boldly. And guess what our testimony will be all about? It'll be all about Jesus, not about us. So, Jesus guaranteed that his church would be bold and powerful witnesses. We have 2,000 years of church history To give us evidence and testimony that Jesus has been doing his work. 2,000 years later, this is the most amazing reality of all time. We are here this morning as a little outpost of the kingdom of Jesus. All of us who know Christ filled with the Spirit of God, testifying about Christ and His salvation. And we are doing this by the power of God. And we're, this is happening all over the world. Did you know this? All over the world this is happening right now. And the only way to explain that it's been going on for 2,000 years is the power of the Holy Spirit in the church. Exalting Christ, lifting up Christ. The fact that we're gaining ground in our culture As a church, in our little culture here, is a testimony to the Holy Spirit at work in people's hearts. The fact that people are getting saved and repenting of their sin and coming to Christ and salvation is a testimony not of human personality, but of the power of the Holy Spirit of God changing people and bringing them to Christ. The fact that some of you can go to Mercy Me last night and you can lift up Jesus and love him in a sold-out arena and say, oh, this is going to be what heaven's going to be like, that is through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's awesome. Enjoy that. Beautiful. But this is why Jesus was so confident. Because he was confident in his fellow Trinitarian person, the Holy Spirit. He looks at us, and let's be honest, is there much impressive about us? (laughs) The answer is a big no, N-O. Lots of sin, lots of struggle, lots of personality issues, lots of decisions that are bad. His confidence is not in us, it's in the Holy Spirit inside of us. And he'll do miracles. He showered his disciples with the resurrection body for 40 days, showed it to them. He ascended into heaven right in front of many witnesses, and then he promised that the Holy Spirit would come with power. So, let's respond to the Lord this morning. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? If you know Jesus, the Spirit's inside you. He indwells you, he seals you, he empowers you, he fills you. What is he calling you to do? For some of you, it's sharing the gospel. Asking for opportunities. Say, hey, Lord, would you give me an opportunity to share Christ with someone? God loves to answer that prayer. For some of you, it's coming to a concrete confidence in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the ascension. When I read about the ascension, some of you were like, ah, is that science or make-believe? It's truth. Jesus Christ ascended. And if you're going to be a witness for Jesus, you have to square the resurrection and the ascension within your heart. And some of you this morning, you just, you're being convicted by the Holy Spirit of sin. You need to confess sin. Some of you are not saved. You need to repent and believe in Jesus for the first time. So however God's moving in your heart, listen to the Holy Spirit. And let's respond together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this good word. Lord, your word is so good. Lord, we worship you this morning. Thank you that you are so confident in the Holy Spirit to transform us into bold and powerful witnesses for your glory. Lord, I pray for every person here that they would listen to you. Listen to the Holy Spirit of God who would convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And Lord, that there would be real decisions made this morning towards sanctification, towards growth, towards powerful experiences in the word of God. Lord, we pray to that end. We certainly pray that decisions would be made. Pray for non-Christians, people that are lost, people that are being awakened by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, you have called us believers to a mission. God, you've empowered us for this mission. If we will trust in you. God, give us grace to respond now by the power of the Spirit. In Christ's name.